For all of you that had your first date riding around the field in a tractor cab, this is the Midwest Farm Report. Good morning. I'm Stephanie Hoff along with you on a Monday filling in for Farm Director Pam Yonke. My gosh, what a fabulous weekend in terms of weather. I have no complaints about the sunshine and balmy temperatures. And from what I saw on social media, yesterday was a perfect day at Lambeau Field. That included a Packers win over the Chargers. And Saturday was really nice for opening weekend of the gun deer hunt. I really enjoyed all the pictures of a successful hunt. I know that if you are filling your tags then my chances of bagging one with my car are a lot lower. So thank you, hunters, and I wish you a successful week. This week will be shorter with Thanksgiving on Thursday. You know, I've already started to do some reflection on all that there is to be thankful for, and I hope that you also take some time to give thanks as we move into the holiday season. And speaking of things to be thankful for, it sounds like rain is on the way in this week's forecast. We'll talk about it with Stu Muck in just a little bit. I know that moisture is still needed this fall. Later in the hour, we hear from a Purina nutritionist who says we should not be taking the dairy beef cross market for granted. He tells us why it's important to secure that market with quality animals before the beef herd rebuilds. And finally, how much does a farmer really need to retire? We talk about it. All right here. We're on mutual insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. You're grateful for all the ways technology can connect us. Unfortunately, there are online scammers who want to take advantage. Malicious viruses, phishing scams, and identity theft are more prevalent than ever. That's why Rural Mutual includes cybersecurity protection as an option on every policy. Rural Mutual Insurance. Keeping Wisconsin strong. Protivate Nutritional Seed Enhancer is an 80-20 talc graphite replacement that provides the critical nutrients corn and soybeans need for early and uniform emergence. Learn more at getgreatergrowth.com. You can hear the corn grow. You can smell healthy soil after a good rain. And you know when your livestock are healthy and when they're not. BioVet loves seeing healthy animals contribute to your farm's productivity and profitability as much as you do. I'm Dr. Bill Zimmer, founder of BioVet. Microbials and nutritional support, that's BioVet. Learn more at bio-vet.com. Just south of the world's longest barn in Eau Claire is the world's largest grower and processor of horseradish, Hunsinger Farms Silver Springs Garden. Eric Rigg is the president and CEO of Hunsinger Farms, a multi-generational operation. We talked to uh, Eric shortly after he hosted the administrator of the Environmental Protection Agency, Michael Regan, to see what sustainable agriculture practices Hunsinger Farms has put on the land for their horseradish operation. Eric told us that over the years, they put more and more of those practices on the land, and they have also shown those to many people and many groups. It all helps preparing for when a cabinet member comes to the farm. I think all those events really helped set us up for doing something like this. It was relatively on short notice. Their interest in us was really in regards to our sustainability practices that have been so important for us for generations. We're really leaning into that with our solar investment, with our wash water retention pond investment, with the rotation crops that we're doing. 
we're leaning into cover cropping, we're looking at regenerative agriculture, we're looking into that precision agriculture. How can we leverage technology to get more out of the fields with, with less work? We're going to talk a little bit about that as we go on. But as far as this year's crop, farmers are scrambling to get their soybeans and their corn off the ground, off the land. What about the horseradish? Where are we here as we're into November? So we had a, a little bit of a panic attack when we had that uh, early snow. We had about three weeks of work at that point, and we weren't sure we had three weeks worth of time mm -hmm. left. Fortunately, uh, the weather here in Wisconsin cooperated, and we're just about to finish up our harvest. It got a little bit drier. We were able to break through some of those cold nights where there was a, just a bit of a crust on the soil. Our harvester was able to break through that and still get some of the horseradish out of the ground. And as important as a harvest for us is, if you remember, we have to go back out and plant. So we got all the planting done that we were expecting. We're just about finished to fill up our upper cooler with horseradish and getting our, ourselves ready for the, for the winter processing the high season. Eric, corn farmers, soybean farmers, they talk to each other. One of their first questions, how did it yield? Is that a conversation you have with the horseradish industry? Absolutely. Uh, yield is essential. So we've actually downsized our total acres over the last year and a half, but we still need all that horseradish. So the focus on our farm team is to look at plant health and yield. We need to get more out of the land with less land and mm -hmm. we still need all that horseradish so that's where we've really been leaning into some of these cover cropping and biologicals and looking at the the uh, impaction in the soil and uh, making sure we're doing everything we can so that that horseradish uh, has, a, has a good flavor good quality but also a good yield another thing we're doing is leaving it in the ground a little bit longer typically we've been 12 months uh, from set to harvest we're now pushing it into 18 months, even into two years. And what we're finding is we're getting a little better yield when we leave it on the ground a little bit longer, and we're getting a little more heat development. So if we can manage it, to leave it on the ground a little bit longer, it, it does tend to bulk up a little bit in those extras, if we give it an extra six months or an extra 12 months even, uh, to, to get a better yield per acre on, on horseradish. And we're seeing that. We're seeing the trend in our yields in horseradish improve over the last couple of years. And we're hoping for a, a good yield this year. And as we look at cultural practices, disease challenges, weed challenges, and corn, you go to every seed company and find new genetics. What about in horseradish? Nope, we're still using the same big top western variety we've been using for a long time. It's just a matter of managing the resources and the rotation better, understanding what the crop needs, what nutrients it needs, and so getting the mix right so that the plant has access to the nutrients it needs when it needs it uh, is, is a key part of our focus. And we got a new technology to look at that. We can do the soil samples, we can look at flying the drones over the fields, uh, we can look at the impact of some of the cover cropping and, and impaction uh, on yield because we can measure all that now um, with the technology is just tremendous. So I, I think there's some good things good things to come. We made those big investments on the farm as, as well with the, the new facilities and that really set us up for the next 50 years to really lean into plant health, regenerative agriculture, and better yields. Let's talk some about that, uh, not the facilities, but your sustainability. You mentioned the solar, the retention pond, the cover crops. How much has that helped and what kind of an investment was that for you or was it a no-brainer? So I think the way to think about those investments is the time frame. Uh, and it was notable today from the speakers that these practices that we're putting into place can have a longer 
return. The solar investment uh, for us is going to be a five or six year return on that money. In the factory, we can buy a new piece of equipment and try to get a six month return on it. So there's, there's quite, there are choices we have to make. The reason why we're making these longer term choices that do indeed have an economic impact for us. Once we get to that five years, then we're in the gravy. The system will last for 30 years. Uh, the water retention pond, how can we preserve that water? These, these cover cropping, how can we get a better yield with fewer passes across the land? So that's less impaction, that's less fuel, that's less labor, that's less wear and tear on the equipment, uh, using less fertilizer. Just you know, tap into the nutrient bank we already have existing there. So using that understanding to get that better yield will take a longer time to get that return, but over time, uh, we'll get there, and we're really setting ourselves up for the next generation. You know, how can we leave the company, our soil, our land in better shape for the next generation than, than when we found it? So we're just carrying on the traditions that my grandfather and great-grandfather started. We're just applying new technology, new, new knowledge uh, to be able to continue to extend that for the long term. The water retention pond, you go by most big farms and their dairies, and <laughs> it's a manure lagoon. But this is a water retention pond. How do you use that? How big is it? And how many times do you recycle that water for your needs? So the reason why we put that in is because we use a lot of water to clean the horseradish. We'll pull it out of the ground, we put it into cold storage. It sits there in the coolers until we're ready to, to grind it at the facility. Before we do that, we got to wash it. So it runs through this washing cycle. So instead of just letting that water go to waste and, and dumping that out, we built this wash water retention pond to recapture that water and reuse it. So the size is about six to eight million gallons of water that it can hold. And that's about what we are using on an annual basis, which is a lot of water, uh, to wash the horseradish. So instead of wasting it, we can now pump that water back out through our irrigation system and, and water the crops, whatever the rotation crop is that year, whether it's corn, soybeans, or maybe even horseradish. And then we'll separate the liquid from the solid. The solid uh, portion of it uh, will we'll haul up and, and it'll be um, a great, great soil uh, that we're able to spread out in the field with all those nutrients in it. How do you use cover crops? Because you mentioned you keep the crop in the ground 12 months, maybe even up to two years now. Corn farmers will go in and then they'll go in in the spring, kill it off. How do you use cover crops and how do they work for you with horseradish? So what we're using or what's working for us, and this is relatively new for us, we're starting to implement cover cropping because we're seeing the benefits of it. The, the idea is that you cover the land so it's ne never just, just open and you're able to get access to those nutrients that are, are deeper in the soil and bring that to the surface to, to make more access. It also crowds out weeds and it's better for moisture retention. So all that kind of biodiversity helps the soil uh, retain moisture, uh, which again, we have to use less water then, so this is conservation. So rye is what we've been using for uh, winter rye. So we'll, we'll cover over the winter before we go back in with corn, soybeans, oats, alfalfa, whatever our rotation is, or, or, or horseradish. So, so that's what we're using. I know there are other cover crops. It probably depends on the farmer and their soil and, and what they're doing with it. But the, the winter rye has been um, where we're starting and we're seeing some, some benefits so far. It will take some time for all those benefits to materialize. Season's about over. Time to go skiing. Yeah, I can't wait. Can't wait for a little snow. Now that we're almost done with harvest, uh, ready to, to put the skis on and hit the slopes. Eric Rigg uh, over here at Hunsinger Farms, Silver Spring Garden, world's largest grower processor of horseradish, hosting the EPA Administrator on the farm. I'm Bob Bosold. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke.
Sick calves got you down? Draining your profits, time, and motivation? Get your calf up and moving now with BioVet's new Baselight Calf Electrolyte. Baselight contains balanced electrolytes for restoring and maintaining proper fluid levels in scouring calves. It's easy to mix, palatable, and calves are eager to drink it down to the last drop. Stop feeling down. Pick up the phone and order BioVet's Baselight. Call 1-800-BIOVET-1. 1-800-BIOVET-1. Create the floors you love this season with DIY and budget-friendly flooring from Wiseway. With Wiseway Flooring's direction, you'll only need to be moderately handy to accomplish brand new floors. I'm Mike Yenser at Wiseway Flooring, inviting you to visit our showroom in Watertown, Lake Mills, and Economwalk. See how our do-it-yourself products might be the right thing for you. Commercial or residential, the wise have it. Log on to INeedFlooringNow.com. While you spent a lot more time around your home the last couple of years, you may have noticed a few things you'd like to have spruced up. Sign up for W.E. Davies Handyman Membership, and they'll help you stay ahead of the maintenance and repairs with a professional result. Boycott putting things off. W.E. Davies & Sons Remodeling brings a fresh perspective to your building project. We're a local family business with services from handyman fixes to living space upgrades. For stunning, transformative results, visit wedaviesremodeling.com. At Tom's Auto Center, we like to say we're the getter fixed, getter done to get you going, guys. Because we're one of the largest independent auto shops in the area. Tom and Tom of Tom's Auto Center. With 12 bays and a lively group of highly skilled mechanics, we're able to do just that. Tom'sAutoCenter.com. Tom's Auto Center. We're the getter fixed, getter done to get you going, guys. Off Highway 51 in McFarland, a stone's throw from McDonald's. If your conversations always start with the weather, welcome to the Midwest Farm Report. And we've got some action in the sky to talk about today. Again, if you want to tell us what you're seeing in your neck of the woods in terms of weather, field work, or anything else, send us a text at 877-301-FARM. Again, that's 877-301-3276. It's time now for our Compere Financial Egg Weather Update with our egg meteorologist, Stu Muck. Stu, what do you have for us today? Some, uh, some moisture, I believe, right? It's trying to build on. You're absolutely right, Stephanie. I mean, you look at the radar this morning and you see rain in far southwest Wisconsin and back into northeast Iowa. A little heavier rain down in Missouri. The low pressure system, the center of the activity bringing this rain is way down in Oklahoma. Man, that's a long way off, isn't it? But it is spreading moisture right up along the Mississippi, through Missouri and Iowa, and into far southwest Wisconsin. That low end of the day tomorrow will head over to the Ohio Valley, around over to Ohio, in fact. So as it sweeps around southern Wisconsin, we will get some rain chance. I'd say Madison may see a little shower yet here a bit later today. The rest of us could very well hold off until it gets dark again later this afternoon. Before we see scattered rain, some rain chance lingers then through the night and may still be around into early tomorrow in eastern Wisconsin. In the west, not so much. I think if we see it by late today or tonight, it ends already late tonight. May linger in the east a bit yet early tomorrow. Not going to measure up to all that much. A couple of tenths of an inch, and that should be about the extent, you know, trace amounts in your quarter. That's really all we expect out of this. And the system begins to clear on out. Temperatures don't change a great deal. 
They'll be a little cooler, closer to normal today, and stay that way then right on through Tuesday and Wednesday in the low and mid-40s. That's just about normal or a couple of degrees above. That's just how it's going to work out as we make our way right on through midweek. Cooler air does begin to settle in, though, and as we look on toward Thanksgiving Day, Thursday and Friday, those temps start to fall back to a little cooler than normal. In fact, by Friday and the upcoming weekend, I've got to look that far to get the cool air, and that's where mid-30s look to be a little more likely. That is cooler than normal, somewhere like 5 or 6 degrees below normal when we make it to that time. Otherwise, the only chance of precipitation is really what we're looking at this morning to our southwest and what may build in toward late today or on into the nighttime. Otherwise, a pretty dry week's going to be in store. Just not all that wonderful. Temperatures a lot more like normal and cooler than as we head to the end of the week. Sounds like November weather really is going to settle on in. I'll have those forecast details right after this. You'd never settle for underperformance. You'd never settle for less than maximum yield. You'd never settle for gaps in the stand. So why settle for anything less than DeKalb corn? DeKalb seed is for those who make outstanding performance a priority with a broad portfolio of products spread to maximize profit potential on every field. DeKalb brand corn, never settle. Visit DeKalb.com. Read and follow pesticide label directions, grain marketing, and other stewardship practices. Stu, I know you said that the rain that we'll likely see today, this morning and later on, isn't going to measure up to anything too great. But is it enough to delay field work? I know we've got some dry weather coming up, so is that is that going to dry out quickly? Are folks going to be delayed as they work to get the rest of their crop off the ground? Well, it really depends on the field, Stephanie, but I would expect, you know, if we see a tenth of an inch or two, yeah, that will probably slow us down for a day uh, the drying not as fast as it should be or we'd like it to be at this time of the year. You know, we have those days with more clouds and the amount of sunlight isn't all that long. Things just don't quite dry up as quickly as we'd like. And that's going to be a battle now, especially as we head through this week and as we get that cooler air trying to build in as we head on toward the weekend as well. But our Compere Financial Ag Weather forecast does call for more of a cloudy day today and some rain developing by late today at La Crosse, Madison, maybe Mauston and getting some yet late today. Temps up in the mid-40s, 46 or 47, our warm spot. East winds will be around 5 to 15. Cloudy skies and rain tonight ending from the west. Skies may even clear in the west late tonight. We'll drop to the mid-30s, and the east winds will be around 5 to 15. Tomorrow, maybe still some rain chance in the south and east, and morning clouds thin out a bit, becoming more sunny from west to east. Temps in the mid-40s, not a big change. Northwest winds, though, 5 to 15, gusting to 25. And even Wednesday, sunny skies still trying to be in the mid-40s, Stephanie. But then it starts to cool off, and we could very well be looking at 30s for the end of the week. You know, I'm happy about the cooler temperatures for the sake of our deer hunters when, you know, I, I hope they have nice weather. But at the same time, you don't want that deer to be sitting, sitting out in the warm temperatures for too long, huh? Yeah, how long do you let that thing hang when it's still going to be 45 degrees the next couple of days? You got to move quick. We'll catch back up with you again tomorrow, Stu. That's your Compere Financial Egg Weather Update. Compere Financial, your financial partner, committed to agriculture and rural America. You can visit Compere.com. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Your health care journey in a hospital system can give you the heebie-jeebies. 
from navigating the parking garage to sitting in the crowded waiting room worrying about the results and cost. MH Imaging in Middleton performs MRIs, CTs, X-rays, and ultrasounds for a fraction of the cost of a medical system. And parking is just a few steps away. Results are available the same day, providing you with answers you need to know now. Visit MHImaging.com. Shopping for that special someone can be hard. You want to make sure that gift is perfect. Jewelry is always a great go-to because it lasts forever. Place to go, Goodman's Jewelers. They have the best prices, something for every budget. They have incredible quality jewelry, one-of-a-kind pieces, diamonds, engagement rings, traditional and modern styles, and you can customize your own. Something for a Badger Packer fan? Goodman's Jewelers has it. A true icon in Madison, the city's oldest full-service jewelry store, is your family. Goodman's Jewelers. Legacy Exteriors Just pick up the phone And let us leave a legacy on your home Roofing windows, gutters, siding and decks Can Legacy do it? You bet Better prices, better warranties Legacy always makes it easy Go to Legacy-Exteriors.com Legacy Exteriors Just pick up the phone And let us leave a legacy on your home you know when you've really made it? When you finally have your own place and you can decorate it the way you want. Your Aunt Betty used to sleep on that old couch. It's time to turn drab into fab with lazy luxury from Lazy Boy Furnishings and Decor. That chair, it belonged to the dog. Time to start styling. Lazy decorators love Lazy Boy. Lazy Boy Home Furnishings and Decor, Madison, East Springs Drive near East Town Mall. Rural Mutual is the number one farm insurer in Wisconsin for a good reason. As a company founded by farmers, they understand the ag industry and its challenges. Local agents offer farm families the best advice and personalized coverage. Visit RuralMutual.com to find an agent near you. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. You're worth so much more. Have you ever had the choice to accumulate wealth or go into debt? Let's play Would You Rather. Would you rather have $190,000 in total compensation or be $29,000 in debt? That's the choice between paying for a bachelor's degree that might not even land you a job or an apprenticeship with Liuna that will lead to job security, a pension, stability, and a lifetime of great wages. You're worth so much more. Go to LiunaWisconsin.org join to learn how to accumulate wealth instead of debt. Is your biggest fear of having dermal filler in the face looking overdone? You are not alone. A Skincare Minute with skincare expert Michelle Neeson. Dermal filler treatments at Rejuvenation Clinic of Sauk Prairie restore fullness and fill in wrinkles in areas of the face, such as the cheeks, under eyes, lips, and around the mouth. It's very difficult to look overdone with non-surgical dermal fillers due to the amount that's typically injected. Did you know that one syringe of filler equals one-fifth of a teaspoon? One fast food ketchup packet is equivalent to eight syringes. As long as your treatment is performed by a skilled medical professional, you should have the natural looking results you desire. Let your natural beauty shine through. Visit us at rejuvenationclinicofsaukprairie.com. You can't change the price of gas or groceries, 
but you can change the amount of your energy bill. Benjamin Plumbing is now a certified dealer of Renai tankless water heaters. The number one tankless water heater in North America. They're up to 40% more energy efficient and provide endless hot water. Stop wasting tons of energy keeping 40, 50, even 75 gallons of water hot day and night with your old water heater. Call Benjamin Plumbing today and learn more about the new state-of-the-art energy-efficient Renai tankless water heaters, including a factory extended warranty. Save money with endless hot water for your home with a new Renai water heater from Benjamin Plumbing. Hi, Dale Benjamin with Benjamin Plumbing. When we say your plumbing problem is fixed, we mean it. No excuses, I guarantee it. Contact Benjamin Plumbing at BenjaminPlumbing.com. Now you've got a friend in the plumbing business. Benjamin Plumbing. Well, we welcome in Grant Bills. Grant came in and said, did I hear that Nelson would give the Cubs five World Series for the Brewers to get one? Yeah. Then you asked a perplexing question. Well, I, I like the hypothetical. Would you take a Brewers World Series if it meant the Vikings win a Super Bowl in your life? Easy. I would say yes. I don't know that I would. I love the empty trophy case joke. It's timeless. But I would give up that one comedic joke, the value of it, for a Bruce Rose. Boys, if you want a Corbin Burns and you're the Cubs, you're going to have to shell out. You're going to have to go above and beyond the trade demands from other teams like the Orioles or the Dodgers. Who else is going to throw out a big package? Yeah. Sure. I threw out got big package a here. huge deal that I would have to be giving up a ton just to get my one, and I'm willing to do it. Okay. My okay. plot. I know okay. my plot in life as a Bruce fan. I'll never see a, a, a World Series victory. That's the thing. I'm secure in that. I, I think the Vikings not having any Super Bowls means more to me than the Brewers. The, the fact that the Bucks won, the the Bucks, the Bucks winning in 2021, the, the impact of that is huge. I think it takes the Brewers off the hook a little bit. <sighs> I couldn't. I couldn't do the the Cubs. I couldn't. Can't. Five in a row. No one could. Can't. I thought I was the prince of having garbage takes on the well, show. Well, Dave from Anona called and said Nelson said the stupidest thing of 2023. was Desperate that. times calls for desperate measures. I'm, I'm willing to pony up a lot to get a little because I want it, and I want it bad. <sighs> I know I, what I want, and I want it now. <laughs> I want five Cubs World Series because I'm Mr. Brewer. Yeah, that's... um Nelson Raysbeck. I don't know. That's something. So, Dave from Anona is a Cubs fan, and he's like, no, I don't want five in a row if that's what it means. Rowdy. Um, real quick, tell Grant or the folks what you're telling Grant off here about the football of the Vikings, the Lions, the Vikings, the Packers, and now what's happening this go around. Oh, like oh, the yeah. 50s was the decade of the Lion, the 60s were the Packers, 70s were the Vikings, 80s the Bears, 90s, 2000, 2010s were the Packers, and now it's up in the air for the 20s, and it looks like the Lions are going to have a stranglehold on it. This is another thing, Packers fans. We always think we always think in decades. Like, oh, we're losing Aaron Rodgers, which means we'll suck for 30 years now. Like, what if the Packers are bad for two years and then they get kind of good again? And then they tail off a little bit. Like, why, why do we we speak in such in these these big frames of references? You know what I mean, Ebo? Epochs of time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. Like epoch. Epochs. 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 It's just the face you made when you looked at me when you said that. Um, I've been listening to a lot of Grant Ham Hancock lately. He calls it epochs. Epochs. But he's also British. So. Of time. Epochs. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, maybe the Lions dominate a whole decade. I, I feel like now that there aren't any Hall of Fame quarterbacks in the division, it'll probably just each team's punching back and well, forth. You look at it. Fields is still a huge question mark. And he's, uh, he's trending towards not being the guy. I, I think he's just not the guy. Jordan Love is a huge question mark. Depends on who you ask if he's trending anywhere. Could be the guy. Down. 
Not sure. Kirk Cousins is in the last year of his deal, and he's 35. So how much longer, even if they I resign like him, is he really Me going too. to be the guy? And he hasn't been the guy. And then there's Jared now. Goff. And Jared Goff is steady. He's got a good defense. He's got a running game. He's got some good receivers. He's probably about, if I had to make an estimate, he's been playing better the last couple of years. At best, he's probably the 12th best quarterback at best. Oh, he's better than that. Now. Okay. Um, oh, he's better. Than a lot that. of people are really bagging on Nelson Hart on Twitch. Nelson doesn't look at the Twitch chat. So, Nelly, just, you can just imagine what Kinger and, and everyone else is saying. Rowdy with the take. Take of the take of the ages. Is this the worst take since I remember you guys cooked me for an entire I, I, summer I over my Brewers? Take. Must, yeah, because you chose up. to lose. I didn't choose to lose. That's you how you framed it. No, because sorry, you are sorry, a sorry, negative sorry. son no, of a no, bitch. No, That's why no, you framed no, it that no, way. You you didn't choose to lose. You chose to lose twice. No, I chose to gamble. I chose to go big or go home. You said which is a Packers which adds manly. lose the that Super Bowl balls. for the Brewers to play in the World Series and not win. That's no, 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 two no, no. losers. No, no, no. I said I would rather take a coin flip of the Brewers in the World Series I'm than the a guaranteed one. Packers I'm title. I'm dishing out all the wins. I'm saying win Terrible. Win Brewers. That's awful. I'm the positive one. That's awful. You've been the one crying about Craig. No. Boys just come I'm to re- over it after yesterday. You just got to come to the realization as a Brewers fan, it's not going to happen for you. Exactly. And I've come to that realization. Once, once you realize that and accept it into your life, you become anew. Yes. Life, life starts over again. And you're able to just enjoy a Pat Murphy, Ricky Weeks press conference without wondering what it means. Yeah, Ricky Weeks, let's effing go. Yeah. Inspiring. I yes. know what I want in life, and one of them is a Brewers World Series, and I'm willing to do a lot of things that are gross and dirty <laughs> to get one. <sighs> I would want something more realistic. I just want to see you happy, Nelson, you know? I've known you for years. <laughs> I've never known you to be happy. I've already been pretty jovial lately, actually. Been in a good mood today? No, Give me a weeks. Brewers World Series. Bringing home the bacon. Literally, this is the Midwest Farm Report. Good morning and welcome back. I'm Stephanie Hoff along with you, filling in for Farm Director Pam Yankee. If you're just joining us this morning, here's a recap of our forecast. A few showers this morning with overcast skies during the afternoon hours. We'll see highs of 46 degrees and winds moving at 10 to 20 miles per hour. Those rain showers early become steady light rain overnight. We'll be seeing lows of 36 degrees in the later hours. You can re-listen to this forecast, to the news stories, to the whole show at MidwestFarmReport.com. Our podcast page is home to the archive copies of the Midwest Farm Report. Today's show will be up later this morning. Beef on dairy. It's something that farmers have been interested in for a few years now, and it's only gaining momentum. Tom Earlywine along with us, he jokes that feeding calves was his first job as a little boy on the farm, and he continues to do that today as the Director of Nutritional Services with Purina Feed. Tom tells me that the industry is in a critical time right now where it needs to be providing the best animals in order to secure a market before the beef herd comes back. He tells us when he saw the beef on dairy cross phenomenon really kick into high gear and how nutrition plays a role in providing a quality animal. About six years ago when it started to gain more traction and it really has gone crazy in the last two or three years. Once people recognized that the beef cow calf herd was down because of recent droughts. And so with the beef cow calf herd being down, the beef supply was down. So what can we do to provide more beef and better beef not only more but better beef it was about 19 percent of the market was dairy animals were provided for beef today it's closer to 23 percent because of just 
the reduction in, in cow-calf numbers, but also because of this increase with beef crosses. And do you think that's that's going to continue for like well into the future, or is this just a cure for low milk prices, or just taking advantage of the the beef market? The next two two years will be the kind of the, set the stage, so to speak, for the future. And the reason for that is simply because the next two to three years, the cow calf herd will gradually rebuild, and so the beef cow calf guys can, will be able to provide more beef in the next two to three years. What's really why this is such a key, crucial point in time right now is because there is such high demand, but also we're setting ourselves up for or either success once that cow-calf herd comes back as dairy producers and, and providing some of the beef market and can maintaining part of that, or for failure from the standpoint we didn't provide the, the proper animal, didn't provide the best animal that they, they, they could be provided in the marketplace. And Purina has been on top of the trend since you first uh, saw it take off about five or six years ago. Tell me about the research you're putting in to crossbred beef on dairy in regards to nutrition. About six, five, six years ago, we started buying more and more of the crossbreds, and now today, most everything we do research on is crossbred dairy dairy animals. And the uh, in the process of doing that, we got a chance to not only compare them to the Holstein, straight Holstein steers, but also compare between breeds and beef animals as well. And then, of course, do our nutrition research. And what we found, and this is the most exciting part about it, was over time as we did it, that there were a number of things that uh, these animals responded really well to. They're really good at growing muscle. And so in spite of their Holstein genetics or their Jersey genetics, once you breed them to a a beef breed, the beef breed genetics start to take over and really help produce a lot of muscle if you allow them to get to that potential. And so what we found in the calves is that if you fed them enough nutrition, the traditional dairy Holstein uh, steer calf was fed two quarts twice a day. If you fed them at least three quarts twice a day, for example, to start with, and if that at least had 27% protein in that, that three quarts twice a day, more like mom's milk, some of those things, that those animals will respond with a tremendous amount of muscle growth to the point where we've even taken ultrasounds of these babies and found that they actually started already started out with a bigger ribeye area because we provided them more nutrition they also start out with a healthier gut because because we provided them with more nutrition Um, but the hybrid vigor in these calves plus combined with their beef genetics if you allow them to grow to their potential in other words provide enough protein and energy they really perform have you narrowed down the critical stage of when these nutrients are their most vital yeah, it, it, the neat thing is, is the beef guys, I always love to say this just to, to compliment the beef folks side of things, is they recognized a long time ago that there's fetal imprinting. What does that mean? That means that what they do with that calf developing in the cow while it's still in the cow, there are some things that they can do feeding-wise and nutrition-wise, management-wise, that will actually affect that calf. And if you think about it, the plasticity, so to speak, the ability to affect that young animal is the greatest in, in utero. And then after it's born, it's still high. You can still influence it. And every day after it's born, it, it gradually decreases to the point, usually about puberty, you're, you're getting to the point where it's almost too late. It's hard to change a lot of things in those animals at that point. And so the younger the calf, so you think about the newborn, colostrum and colostrum management, obviously doing the best job you can with a newborn there. And then, and, and then, but then after that, and this is a big difference in the dairy model of raising calves versus the way a beef calf would be raised. It'd be raised on mom, right? And so it's going to drink 
maybe three gallons a day. Typically, they've actually research proven that, that they'll drink three gallons a day. We typically fed these dairy calves a gallon or a gallon and a half. Um, so not enough. So that was part of it. And then the beef calf would normally be weaned at four to six months of age. We typically wean at two months of age, thereabouts. So about half the time on milk as well. And so we have to work hard to make up for those challenges. And one of them is easy. You just feed them better. Um, but the other one is the weaning age. And so giving them enough time through weaning, allowing the gut to develop, allowing the immune system to develop. We can do it in the young calf. The longer you wait to try to do it and say, oh, I'll make up for it later, it's impossible on a young calf to do that. They will already be set at that point. And they found the same thing is true with, with heifers, that if we don't allow for maximum mammary development at an early age, we will be behind the eight ball. We will never get that animal to the same level that it was before. And feedlots in particular are looking for a very feed-efficient animal. And the best way we can create the most feed-efficient animal is to start earlier in life. The earlier in life you can change things and influence and, and have a, these improvements have proper nutrition, the proper management of those calves, they will perform better later. And if we want to maintain our beef market of raising these crossbreds, we need to provide the best animal to that feedlot today so that they don't get don't lose that market when the beef herd comes back. You heard it from Tom Earlywine. He's the director of nutritional services with Purina Feed, and they're researching the best nutritional management for dairy beef cross calves to make sure farmers are sending their best animals to market. Stick around for a look at commodity prices coming up next. Always up early. Always getting the job done. Always working as hard as you can. Always pushing for more because you never settle. For farmers who seek outstanding performance they can count on, the only brand is DeKalb Corn, featuring a broad portfolio of products precision bred to maximize profit potential on every field. DeKalb brand, never settle. See us at DeKalb.com. Read and follow pesticide label directions, grain marketing, and other stewardship practices. Wisconsin FFA is benefiting from a recent donation. The CHS Foundation recently gave more than $4 million to the National FFA Organization. Wisconsin FFA Foundation got nearly $23,000 of that sum. The money will help cover student travel to conferences and contests. It will also help schools attract egg teachers. In other news, the Wisconsin Maple Syrup Producers Association will host the 2024 Winter Institute and Maple Vendor Trade Show on January 5th and 6th in Marshfield. The event is open to the public and features classes for beginners in maple syrup production. You can learn more and register at wismaple.org. Markets are mixed on a Monday morning from Chicago. December corn is up a penny and a half, trading at 468 and a half. January soybeans are up a nickel at 13.45 and a quarter. Cash wheat is down a quarter of a cent at 5.50 and a half. And July 2024 new crop wheat is also down a quarter of a cent at 6.05 and a half. The World Championship Cheese Contest is featuring some new classes in March 2024. For the first time in history, the contest will judge raclette cheese in its own class. The contest is also introducing a new class for pasteurized processed cheese products. You can learn more about the upcoming contest at worldchampioncheese.org. 
And speaking of cheese, Friday from Chicago, barrel cheese closed down 11 cents at $1.56. The 40-pound black cheese was unchanged from Thursday at $1.60, and AA butter fell 10 and three-quarter cents at $2.49. Currently, the December Class 3 milk contract is up a penny at $16.65, a hundredweight, and January milk is up 12 cents at $16.91. Hey, stick around because up next we're going to learn what it takes to retire on the farm. It's all coming up. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Have you ever had an MRI through the hospital where you're crunched inside a scary tube-like tunnel? MH Imaging in Middleton provides the spacious comfort of a completely open design MRI, the most updated concept in MRIs. It's an open MRI, open for everyone regardless of insurance or doctor affiliation for a fraction of the cost of a medical system. And the results are available the same day, providing you with answers you need to know now. Visit mhimaging.com. Pest control? You've got a guy for that. Car repairs? You probably have a guy for that as well. For someone to custom design a unique piece of jewelry for you or help your current pieces look sparkling fresh, that needs to be William Thomas Custom Jewelry. Affordable and local, William Thomas Custom Jewelry will help you create a desirable, one-of-a-kind piece that you'll be proud to wear for years to come. William Thomas Custom Jewelry, your inspiration, your custom jeweler. Sweet of Metal Roofing customers choose us because they don't want to worry about their roof anymore. There's no curling, it won't blow off, and you won't find granules in your gutters. It's one and done. It is the last roof you'll ever need. I'm Mike. And Mary Sweeta. Enjoy the long-lasting architectural strength and beauty of a Sweeta metal roof. S-W-I-T-A metalroofing.com. Sweeta metal roofing, the last roof you'll ever need. At Berkshire Automotive, we have a non-commissioned sales team, which is a polite way to say we don't really care whether you buy a practical Equinox, the rugged Silverado, or the speedy new Corvette. You've been told no before? Join the Berkshire Automotive family for the yes. At Bergstrom Automotive, we teach our people to take no out of the vocabulary. Is no in your vocabulary? Uh, no. No isn't a thing at Bergstrom Automotive. Join the Bergstrom Automotive family for the yes. Join the Bergstrom family. Here's a crew perfectly comfortable using Baylor twine as a belt. This is the Midwest Farm Report. In almost every aspect, farming is so different from your typical 9 to 5, and that includes retirement planning. I'm Stephanie Hoff for the Midwest Farm Report. Here with us is Jared Nelson. He's an insurance agent and financial advisor with Rural Mutual Insurance. He grew up on a dairy farm in Jackson County, and he's been in the insurance business for about 25 years. He says farmers have several things to consider depending on what they want to do with the farm, and with themselves when they retire. It all matters when it comes to creating your retirement budget. Jared reminds us why farmers are in such a unique situation compared to most people. It's a good point. Uh, our, our farms, the, the basic uh, issue when we look at retirement is liquidity. Uh, if you have the normal nine to five, you know, people own their home and they might have a cabin or some hunting land. Uh, but the vast majority of their savings is liquid in the form of a 401k or retirement or bank accounts. Uh, with our farms, if if we have uh, excess capital, it's usually uh, put into land, machinery, 
animals uh, continuing and growing the operation and which is a, a good for the farm however it does pose some challenges because you know you can have a several million dollars worth of net worth but only uh, you know two thousand dollars in the bank uh, so liquidity is our biggest concern for you know retirement and cash flow and and it's not just about money either jared i, I do want to point this out too when a farmer retires it's almost like your whole mindset your whole life really changes more so than others because you've lived most of the time where you've worked your whole life has been devoted to the farming operation so that's going to be a whole change of mindset for these folks too it is there's no there's no magic switch to turn from uh you know getting up and and doing chores and uh you know doing the field work then all of a sudden I, i don't have to so i encourage a lot of people that are you know starting into this retirement conversation you know, be prepared to have uh, maybe a seasonal job, uh, you know, and the first thing I tell them to do when they retire is to go to work, but that's what these people know what to do. Uh, and it's not, not just uh, to, you know, for the income part of it, but it's you need to have something to do. So whether it's a part-time or seasonal job or, you know, travel, uh, you know, think about what that looks like because, uh, like you said, it, it is not an easy switch to turn from, working seven days a week to not. Uh, so you need to ease into it a little bit. What does retirement cost look like for farm families? How much do you need to retire as a farmer? Well, that's going to uh, differ uh, vastly on, on lifestyle and, and hobbies. Um, you know, are, are you going to be traveling? Are you going to be working part-time? Uh, people need to start looking at, you know, the budget. The The farm has been paying for all of the household bills, electric um, and if we're not going to be doing that on the farm anymore, you know, we just have to make a make a budget spreadsheet and uh, and look at what do we have for monthly expenses. Now, what do we want to do? What can we do? Uh, so, it's if somebody doesn't uh, doesn't go on a lot of trips or vacations, that's different than somebody who wants to travel two three times a year. Uh, so, it, it really varies. If you're retirement age, I'm sure health care is going to become more top of mind than when you were younger and when you were working. Is that another added cost that folks may not be thinking about right away? Depending on the age when they retire, if they're not eligible for the uh, uh, Medicare yet, then yes, uh, private health insurance is a is a concern. And you know, depending on on several income factors, that can be a very expensive undertaking that that a lot of times people aren't uh, aren't considering, especially if they might have had a spouse working, um, you know, off off the farm that had the benefits, and if they both retire, well, then that's a uh, that's an additional expense that can be uh, quite a shock to people if they don't you know get out in front of it and plan for it. And just like every farm is unique, so is going to be that next phase for their farm. Retirement might mean liquidating assets and selling the farm. It could be renting it out or transitioning it to the next generation. So what are some of the key points when it comes to retirement planning that are going to correlate with these different options? Sure. Uh, So if we have a continuation plan, and this is really the same for um, you know the next generation taking it over, or if uh, if the farmer wants and is able to keep their assets and just rent them to um, to a, a third party, whether it's their their next generation or whether it's the neighbor down the road. So one aspect is you keep the asset; the asset is continues to grow uh, 
in value for you and you rent it out to the next generation. That rent then provides your retirement income when, again, whether that rent is coming from next generation or it's coming from a third third party. Um, the aspect with selling the operation and getting you know a lump sum of cash, we have to take taxes into consideration there, capital gains taxes. But um, what you're then looking at is now you have a, a pot of money. Now you are liquid and you really need to pay attention on how you invest that for the next 20, 30 years so that it can it can take care of your financial needs through retirement. What's the most common route that your farm clients take when they retire? The most common route um, is it's usually some kind of a combination. Uh, now, again, it's really different if there's a next generation taking it over or if there's not. Uh, so with next generation taking it over, we're we're usually you know keeping everything, and the parents are staying on in some type of capacity, uh, drawing some type of income, and then the rental income is providing for them. In the case where they're they're not a next generation taking over, usually it's it's either sell all of the land equipment buildings or they pick and choose, and some of it may make more sense to sell, and some of it makes sense to to keep. And uh, so you kind of you kind of look at um, you know each situation a little bit differently, taking into account how much do we need for retirement income? What do we want to do? Do we want do we want to keep the the land because um, family uses it for recreation as well as uh, as farming, or we want to, but we really can't afford to, so we need to sell it. So all of those, it's a case by case situation that we just have to walk through. Jared Nelson along with us. He's an insurance agent and financial advisor with Rural Mutual Insurance, giving us some advice on what to consider not only to make sure you have the means to live comfortably through retirement, but to transition into such a new phase in life. I'm Stephanie Hoff with the Midwest Farm Report. Thanks for taking along with me on a Monday. I'll catch you back here same time tomorrow. We're getting put out to pasture for today. Back tomorrow morning, this is the Midwest Farm Report.